0: Time to cross the bridge with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels on FM 96.9 The Game. Powered by Advent Health.
1: Advent Health is sponsoring its Children's Day of Giving coming up December 14th. It's your chance to help kids in the hospital this holiday season. Your donation stays local and helps cover gas and grocery bills. For families with kids undergoing treatment, visit giveforkidstoday.com to donate. Songs about money. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, this would be the great Donna Summer. What was her nickname? The queen of something? Disco.
0: I like Donna Summer back in the day. What's not to like? Right? I had a lot of big kids. <laughs> Last dance. To my love to love oh, the yeah. baby. I feel love. Dim all the lights. Hot Stuff. MacArthur Park. Oh, Hot Stuff. That Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we just had Kevin Skarbinski on, long-time uh, Alabama scribe, talking about the Auburn situation with Hugh Freeze, and, and he got into Gus Malzahn a little bit. And This is Gus in two years at UCF. As Kevin just said, he's already the most successful ex-Auburn coach in history. <laughs> yeah. That should tell you what happens when you leave Auburn, okay? It's usually not a pleasant situation when you leave Auburn, so yeah, he also said Gus is living his best life. How happy do you think Gus is to be out of that Auburn
0: dysfunction? uh probably not much at about ten fifteen last Saturday, but um yeah,, <laughs> um, yeah. I think I've said a few times in getting to learn about Gus and know Gus. And he still is, I, I, and I, I, this isn't a criticism, I still think he's nah. reserved. and He's very careful about the people he lets into his inner circle. I'm not saying that I deserve a place to be in that. And I, Gus and I get along very well, and I enjoy my conversations with him. But I think for what he went through at Auburn, he still is almost extra careful. And here at UCF, where there's nowhere near that pressure cooker, and it's a much different vibe, I still think he's cautious because of everything that he went through. But I do think he and his wife really enjoy Orlando and being able to breathe. They love where they live. And I think he is grateful to kind of be back coaching full-time and not dealing with the junk that Auburn has asked of its coaches to deal with, the wannabe GMs, the people that think they have a say. And I think that Terry Mahajer has allowed Gus to build a foundation for a program that Gus runs. That, I mean, it's not that UCF doesn't have donors and large donors, but they're not texting Gus about who should play right guard Saturday. <laughs>
1: you know, so uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, interesting.
1: Uh, what did you think of Hugh Freeze's uh, introduction yesterday? Uh,
0: well-planned um, and uh, executed, I think, how he and Auburn wanted it to go and You know, we talked about this briefly yesterday. To some degree, it matters, but it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you freeze. Now, the individuals and the women that have what they believe good reason to be angry with you freeze because of things that happened at Liberty, um, of course they have their right to feel the way they do. And I'm not saying that any of those people are wrong. Uh, I do find some people incredibly hypocritical when they'll make the comments about you, Freeze. when, you know, everybody's got issues in their lives. Hey. You freeze certainly has some things that he's had to deal with publicly, um, and I've just accepted that the, the industry of college football doesn't really shut the door on anybody that can lead to the business results that the organization seeks. You freeze wasn't hired because he's an outstanding role model for young men. He was hired to win football games because winning football games makes money for Auburn. That's it. doesn't mean that it's uh, not one that you can worry uh, on the ethical side of it, but this industry gave that up a long time ago. Not everybody, but a lot of places simply don't care. And when you don't have a level of success that you think you should be at, then you rationalize decisions. It's just like, you know, I've talked, why do coaches not suspend star players before big games? Because they want to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I interviewed you Freeze in mass interview situations before all the scandal mm-hmm. at Ole Miss. Like I'd see him at SEC media days and these SEC spring meetings and things like that. And sort of like Bruce Pearl, all right, the Auburn basketball coach who, who's, who's gone through his share of scandal, okay, The thing about those guys is, like, before all of their cheating and all of their scandal, they are likable guys. And I even got that from Hugh Freeze during his introduction yesterday. These guys are – they are very likable. If you you take the scandal out of it, they're likable guys, and obviously they're great recruiters because of their personalities. So, um, again, I don't know how you get – get over the scandal part of it but i always liked those guys before you know before all the scandal took place in their careers a lot, you know of what people,
0: a lot of people have done psychological studies that some of your most ethically challenged individuals have a pattern of being able to do exactly what you just said yeah um, and these are just names that pop into my head. Bernie Madoff was able to convince people to give him all your money because he was likable in meetings. Yeah. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX was incredible at conferences to convince people that he had a vision about um, currency. And, wow, who wants to sign up to be part of that while at the same time behind the curtain, they're conniving to give them an edge. And people will tell you that, I mean, the two names you brought up in both the case of Hugh Freeze and Bruce Pearl convinced the people around them that the things that they were doing that were against NCAA rules or things like that, you could almost justify it. Like, we're going to win. Like, I believe, it's my opinion, I don't think you Freeze on his own when it was illegal to go, you know, pay for players. I don't think he did that by himself. I think Ellis, I mean, uh, Ole Miss knew what he was doing. I mean, you couldn't put that whole program together about, okay, this coach is going to do this, this assistant does that, this does that. Somebody knew. Just like a you know, a, 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 a Bruce Pearl. But they make it feel like, well, he's not really breaking the rules. Look how Kansas has gone to bat for Bill Self. I mean, yeah. when, when, when the people make you feel, God, he's fun to be around, he's a winner, and so forth, mm-hmm. then you kind of buy into that. Now, we all know Bill Self is innocent because... I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in the Big 12, it's just how we do things. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> now that you're a Big 12 guy.
1: <laughs> All right, straight ahead, we have a new American sports hero. We'll get into that. The college football, the latest college football playoff rankings are out. We'll talk about the ramifications of those. All that coming your way on The Bridge. Welcome back to the bridge brought to you by Advent Health. It's time to feel whole with Advent Health. For more information, go to adventhealth.com. Uh, ask Mark questions for today. Uh, we played the Spanish broadcast clip of Alec Holler's uh, touchdown catch against USF. Um, how long has UCF had a Spanish language broadcast and how did that come about
0: uh that's my boys that I hired this year um it came about in an interesting way at a meeting among Big 12 presidents and athletic directors in the newly formed uh Big 12 mm-hmm. where uh Dr. Carward at UCF turned to Terry Mahajer as the discussion about what makes each university unique and and one of the things that UCF has is a growing Hispanic um, Enrollment and mm-hmm. he turned and asked Terry Mahajra and said, Do we have a Spanish broadcast? And Terry turned to Jimmy Skiles, who oversees marketing at UCF, and said, Do we? And Jimmy said, Um, I don't think so, but I'll talk to Mark. And three weeks later, we had a Spanish broadcast. Mm. Um, and uh, Carlos Borges is um, our play by play uh, voice, and um is excellent at what he does. Uh, Sergio Ruiz-Torres is the color analyst. Carlos is the Spanish play-by-play voice for the Buccaneers and has done that for five years. So we're fortunate to get him. Sergio is the Spanish play-by-play voice for Orlando City Soccer. Um, And they did home games this year. We offered an online broadcast uh, for those guys for home games, and they came over to Tampa to do the game on uh, Saturday, which... Yeah, I enjoyed having the Buccaneers radio play-by-play guy do a UCF broadcast in South awesome. Florida Stadium. That's awesome. By so, the way, uh, KV, yeah.
1: KV, can you play the 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 clip again? The Spanish broadcast, a uh, call of Alec Holler's catch on Saturday. Two seconds. Okay. All right, I should have told him beforehand. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, I'm bad at that. All right, while he's getting that ready. um, the UCF-Tulane game, all right? Uh, I think you told me when they played in the regular season a, a few weeks ago that there were a lot of UCF fans there, all right? Yeah. My question to you now, the Ask Mark question is, because UCF, all right, here's the Spanish language broadcast. la tiene. A ver qué hace. Va a buscar el pase hacia la izquierda. <laughs>
0: there you have it, awesome. Daniels. Can you translate that for us? Uh, great catch out of collar. Here comes enthusiasm in buckets. And drink it all in. Yeah. What
1: is it what were they say were they saying C C C C yes 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 yes?
0: Yeah, Carlos does said a lot on touchdowns and it's great. Um uh and, and the social media team at UCF is awesome and they've been, you know, throughout the year posting some clips uh from Carlos and Sergio and uh, yeah, he's got great enthusiasm and that's why I hired him.
1: How many college teams have Spanish language broadcasts?
0: Not many, and in the uh, uh, in the current Big Twelve, it's uh, TCU and Texas, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know Texas in a couple years leaving, and um, and you know obviously we we've added, and uh, I don't know if others will be adding, but um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised when I saw that list. I thought it might have been a few more in the Big Twelve. I don't think Ames, Iowa, is going to be adding a. It's to no. broadcast the future but you can make a case for the other Texas schools. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right, uh UCF Tulane game a few weeks ago. I think you told me there were a bunch of UCF fans at that game. I'm just wondering, you know, since a lot of UCF fans who travel, it's usually the same fans that travel uh game in, game out. Would they will they go back to New Orleans or will they be or will there be more Tulane fans in the stadium this time?
0: Well, I think there'll be more Tulane fans. If you're Tulane, you hope there's more fans than UCF fans. I think there's going to be a good number of UCF fans. But didn't you
1: say last time there weren't a whole lot of uh, Tulane fans? Tulane
0: was a little bit disappointed. They fell short of a sellout. It was the whole thing, is game day going to go there and everything? And they fell short. And I'm not criticizing the crowd they had, but it it, it was well short of a sellout. And it was a very large contingent of UCF fans. Now, they were able to book those flights in advance when the schedule came out. Uh, the timing of it, um, I think, worked. Uh, UCF used that as a, a trip for corporate po- uh, uh, sponsors and partners. They had a separate uh, plane outside of the team that went. I do think UCF will travel well here. Will it be as many as there were a couple of weeks ago? Probably not because of the timing of it. Uh, the challenge for Tulane and anybody that hosts the conference title game is you have to re. Uh, your season ticket base has to buy their tickets again. You don't just get the ticket. So. Um, there's a little bit of attrition that takes place because, and even when UCF has hosted these title games before, not every season ticket holder buys a ticket to the championship game. It's like, oh, yeah, now I'm not going to go. I'm out of town. Or, I, ah, you know, I'll just watch it on TV. So um, they've got to go through that process. Uh, so there might be fewer people at this game Saturday than there were a couple of weeks ago because of... Again, how many UCI people are going to travel? I think a good number, but maybe not as much. And then for Tulane, how many season ticket holders buy their ticket? Now, they may get new fans that are going to go because of what's at stake. So I think there'll be a decent crowd. I hope it's a sellout, but I'm not quite sure that they'll get there. Interesting.
1: By the way, what did you think of what happened with the Willie Fritz, the Tulane coach, who was supposedly going to be hired by Georgia Tech? What happened there? Is there any inside
0: information? I don't know. Corey Glore, the play-by-play guy, Tulane, is on my show today, and maybe he can give some insight. A couple things maybe came into play, Mike. Change of heart. Maybe Willie Fritz uh, uh, you know, enjoyed his conversations, and maybe he went back to his... Uh, athletic director and president and had a change of heart. Maybe they're going to give him more money. Whatever it was, maybe Georgia Tech hadn't settled on him. But in a way, Brent Key got the job, former UCF assistant, because of UCF. UCF beat Georgia Tech. Jeff Collins got fired, and Brent Key became the interim. He got a chance to spend Mm -hmm. more than a game or two. He got a chance to spend more than half the season to end up running the job. Yeah.
1: All right, so we're going to say goodbye to our listeners in Tallahassee at FM 96.5 The Spear. If you want to keep listening, I've told you how to do it. You can find us on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for 96.9 The Game in Orlando. Otherwise, we'll catch you bright and early, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Let's pause for station identification. Daniels, one last question about – you just mentioned Brent Key got the job at Georgia Tech, uh, you know, indirectly because of UCF. I'm just wondering, you know, Brent Key was supposed to be the successor to George O'Leary, that he signed a, uh, a, a contract to that, that he was going to be the coach in waiting, and obviously he didn't get that job, and UCF has to pay him se- – or had to pay him, I think it was $700,000. Because, you know, they didn't live up to that part of the contract or something like that. My question is, now that UCF has made Brent Key sort of the head coach at Georgia Tech, do they get their $700,000? That's a good question.
0: (laughs) I'll have to ask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell Terry today, hey, I may have a cash windfall for you. Go back and check on something. What
1: was? Well, I'm trying to remember the specifics of that. He he signed a de- did he sign a deal before O'Leary's last season that he would be the coach in waiting or had that? There work? was an
0: agreement, and uh, you know, when O'Leary was fired, they wanted to clean house, and Frankie rightfully so said, oh, "I got this deal. If I don't get the job, you're going to pay me this much money." I don't know what the exact payoff mm-hmm. was, but I think it was seven hundred thousand. But, I mean, good for Brent. Way of contract. Yeah.
1: I always thought he was head coaching material, quite honestly. He has that sort of, um, I don't know what it is, that I don't. Know, he, he's, he's good in public, he's good in crowds, he seems to be a good recruiter. Um, yeah, and look, uh, he landed
0: well. I mean, he ended up being on Nick's staff at Alabama for several years, and then he just kind of felt like maybe I need to move on, and, Knew Jeff Collins, who was at UCF, and took the opportunity to go there. He went to Georgia Tech and went back home. And you know, and, and whatever number of candidates that Georgia Tech interviewed, good for Brent. With and if somebody says, "Well, you're the fallback," well, so what? Who cares? Right, right. <laughs> whatever. Good for him. I'll the most still be, of
1: it. I'll still be making four million dollars a year now, or whatever they're going to pay. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. All right, uh, you are the soccer aficionado. What were your thoughts on the U.S. Uh, beating Iran yesterday? Christian Pulisic has become an instant American sports hero. Uh, how pumped were you when, you when he scored that goal yesterday?
0: Well, the right guy scored for the U.S. in the sense of how important Pulisic has been, the heartbreak of four years ago, and if he said, uh, you know, who needs to score the goal, it was him. Um you know, the Americans at the start of that match looked a little bit nervous and then kind of dominated and got the goal. Um, I thought the second goal should have counted thought the offside call was a little. That gorgeous. was what,
1: yeah, that was sort of
0: ticky-tack. I mean, it was right, there. I mean, it was right. so close. And, Why would you even call that? Right, and then I, I think there's some fair criticism of uh, our strategy and, Substitution, Gio Reyna, again does not play, which is still head scratching. Uh and then the Americans kinda hang on with a couple of really nervous moments that uh you know Iran had and advance. And that's what they needed to do. Uh what you what'd you call what'd you call them? Iran.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm Yeah. Iran. So the one I think whatever Iran uh puts <laughs> the US into the uh group of uh, uh, to the round of sixteen Uh, Tough match against the Netherlands, but listen, you just got to get there. Uh, I think Pulisic will play, whether he's 100%, you know, who knows. And I'm not saying that they get a free pass if they lose, but they avoid the embarrassment of not getting beyond group play. And uh, they can win. I don't know how much further they would go outside of this, but I think that they have done what they needed to do to avoid the avalanche of criticism. And now let's see if they can beat uh, the Netherlands. And, um, you know, still uh, one of the youngest teams playing in the World Cup. And even though people will say it's kind of being built for 26, it's not 26 now. So, so play as you can in 22. Uh, could have won by more yesterday and made it very uncomfortable. And then this this extension of minutes. I mean, I, I don't know where they got the nine minutes from. You go back and watch that second half and... Uh, I don't know how there was nine minutes added. I, I don't know where they lost the minutes, but it ended up being nine minutes, and so be it. Okay. So, you know, Christian
1: Pulisic, obviously he you know, he got injured uh, when he scored the goal, and the storyline after the match was he gave his body up for his country. He sacrificed for his country. He get, you know, put it all out there. I'm I'm wondering if this had been against Wales instead of Iran, would would Christian Pulisic be as big a hero today?
0: Uh, I, the way you're asking, no. If you know, if, if they needed to beat Wales to advance, I still think there's something in a sports sense about. Um, yeah, but heroic. Not, not like this. We're not because. I'm not going into bunkers here taking live fires. I know, I know, but that's
1: what you listen to some of the commentary. That's almost what it sounds like.
0: But the backdrop of who they were playing and, you know, the storyline the last couple of days, and then, Mike, I don't know if you saw it, but there were celebrations in Tehran Mm -hmm. of a U.S. win, and, I mean, there's underlying stories there uh, that, that, that stretch far beyond an athletic field. And I'm not saying that the U.S. win is going to change the political makeup of that country, but I don't think it's going to slow down the protests that are continuing to grow there. And maybe someday somebody will look back, and hopefully sooner than later, and go, change happened because of these events. I'm not saying the political goal will be the main reason, but it certainly didn't stop people from celebrating publicly, which I'm not quite sure they would have done, forget 10 years ago, 10 months ago.
1: Right, right, and and also what you what you've been saying all along that soccer is the one major sport left on the globe where the United States is still underdogs. That's kind of that's what makes this a great story as well. I mean, it's you, you always everybody knows you root for the underdog, and you know sometimes when the you know the American basketball team routs somebody in the Olympics, it's like eh, you know you almost feel bad for the other team, all right? But when the American soccer team wins, it's there's more pride because, again, we're not expected to do anything in this sport.
0: No, it's, uh, again, I, I mean no disrespect on a world scale to cricket and to a degree rugby, rugby, which outside of this country are massive sports, but in soccer, this is the last thing that that we've not won. Um, on a world scale, and even though this World Cup is taking place during our football season and our holiday period, a win Saturday does begin to become a more national story. I think yesterday was to a degree. Uh, The timing of Saturday's match going against a limited schedule of college football will draw more fans because it's an earlier start. And then if you win, I think you'll see more casual people uh, climb aboard. Now I don't know how much further this team can go, but I've always said it, if U.S. ever made it to the semifinal or final of the World Cup, it would it, it it could draw. I I wouldn't say Super Bowl numbers, but it could draw, you know, Thanksgiving giant Cowboys or NFC AFC Championship game numbers. By the way, what did you think of the the Giants-Cowboys
1: Thanksgiving? I think there were 40 million viewers, which I I don't know. Largest
0: largest viewed regular season game ever.
1: How how is that possible
0: in today's world? uh, Well, depending who you want to ask in the industry, and some old-timers are upset by it because uh, the formula for determining out-of-home viewing has changed in recent years. You know, you used to not count people at sports bars. And somebody mm-hmm. goes, well, that's stupid. So now we change the model on how you count out-of-home viewing. And, and old-timers would tell you that it's too broad of a guess. It's too broad of a uh, of an algorithm. So they'll tell you that the number can't be that big. And then modern-day people say, well, then what do you want? You complain that you didn't get it before. Now we created technology to give it to you. Either way, it was a large audience because of the two brands, the Cowboys are a national brand, the giants in the market there, It's the 4.30 game, you're sitting down for dinner, you're at the house, it has the makings. of That's why the Cowboys are never going to leave that spot on Thursday. The NFL knows it's too valuable for them.
1: I will say this, uh, about counting people who watch at sports bars, there's a lot more sports bars now than there was back in the old days.
0: But the argument's going to be fewer people are using that because of handheld mobile devices and computers to watch games where we didn't do that 20 30 years ago Mm,
1: good point but
0: but again the new age people will tell you correct that's part of the model too it's not just sports bars we're now counting the guy that has a handheld device when he downloads that and if he uses a fox app to do it he now counts towards that i mean it ain't a perfect system that's the radio industry (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly so um but What yeah, what what have the World Cup ratings been overall in this country? Well the US England one uh if you combine English and Spanish was twenty million, which made it the largest US World Cup match ever viewed. Um yesterday's numbers I, I don't think we'll get to what the England match was because that was Friday of a holiday weekend. This was two o'clock yesterday on a you know, Tuesday afternoon um so uh, just guessing i think yesterday's numbers probably still may come in at 12 14 million people i think which is which is a massive number for tuesday afternoon and if the u.s you know saturday's number maybe it gets up near what the u.s england was and if they advance then you'll begin to see um you know the 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 audience grow
1: what did the what did the women's world cup get when you know, Brandy Chastain scored the the winning goal uh what was that
0: 99 what kind of rating did that get I'd have to go back and look I, I I don't know off the top of my head I mean the the last women's world cup drew extremely well on a on a you know on a national basis compared to the men uh, the women's numbers hold up because they they go and win you know the men yeah. have advanced past group stage now for the last three World Cups they played in, but getting further. The American women have played in the final; they played in the semifinal, where the American men uh, have not. Interesting. Yeah, because um,
1: uh, I I remember, I mean were, that was a big deal back in '99 when they were out, who, who were they playing? I think they were playing China, weren't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Yeah, they were playing China, and that that was a pretty big deal. I'm curious what that rating was. 17.9 million. Okay.
0: As I recall, that was, was that a a Sunday afternoon? Yeah, peaked at 40 million in the final half hour of the broadcast. The average was 17.9 million. Wow. Phenomenal number. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What are we going to talk about next? We come back. I want to throw a college football scenario by you after last night's rankings and ask you a question, and we'll do that when the bridge bought to be Ivan Elf continues next. Dance the bridge, Bart and Mike Bianchi. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is for you, Iran. Rockin' in the free world, baby.
0: Have a taste of freedom.
1: Yeah. Shoot. Daniels. Yes. Christian Pulisic. Uh, It was listed as an abdominal injury. Did he get kicked in the stomach? Or did he get kicked
0: somewhere somewhere else? Mike, it's a pelvic contusion. <laughs> Mike, when you were playing sports, like when you and I were in high school, did anybody ever? I say always it? wore the cup. Well, does anybody ever said? I-, I think you've got a pelvic contusion. Like <laughs> Is the that name what it's of injuries to today? It- it's incredible what we call things today. Yeah, I-, I I don't think he. I I think it's above the area. You do? I don't care. He's better be out there Saturday. <laughs> I don't care what we shoot them up with or whatever. How good is the Netherlands? Get Never- them horse tranquilizers out there. If you got to do whatever we need to do, what? How good are the Netherlands? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're good, but beatable. I mean, they, you know, they they, they won two matches and a draw um, in their pool, um, which they won. And Senegal uh, was second in that pool. Um, Beat Qatar two nothing, tied uh, Ecuador at one, and uh, beat Senegal two nothing. Um, they're good. I mean, we are underdogs, and that that that's correct. But uh, the challenge for the U.S. here is: can you score more than one goal? Um, and I think in this match, you will need to have a couple goals to win. Doesn't mm. mean you can't, you know, win one nothing or one one to get to extra time. But I, you know, the 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 concern for anybody that is running for the US here is falling behind one nothing, it's hard then to 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 envision this team being able to score multiple goals. Now yesterday I again to me the second goal should have counted, but that's the challenge with the Netherlands. I think you you're gonna need more than one goal.
1: I've got a way to get into their head, Daniels.
0: Uh-huh, this ought to be good. Uh Make up your mind. What do you call yourself? Are you Dutch? Yeah, Holland. Are you, Holland? We, Are you Netherlands? Yeah, we
1: need. To, yeah, during the press conferences, we just need to refer to them as Holland. Yeah, Netherlanders. Alt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, because they because they, they're the Netherlands, but everybody, everybody, knows what do I call really you? I don't know.
0: Yeah, let's start another political feud again if we can.
1: How do you guys play play in those wooden shoes? There you go. That's
0: it. That's right. (laughs) Yep. When in doubt, just pull out that stuff. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I have a column at uh, 96ofthegame.com, which I encourage people to go read. And uh, part of my column talks about the upcoming college free agency period that starts Monday, better known as the Transfer Portal. Um, Mm -hmm. But people can read that. So I want to ask you something. Okay. Last time the college football playoff committee gave you the top 25, but the top four teams, Mm -hmm. and uh, all four of those teams play games this weekend. Teams five, six, seven, and eight do not. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay. So give me any reason why any of the four teams this weekend should not make the college football playoff. Considering the following. The body of work of everybody after 12 games has been determined by the college football playoff committee. This is it. This is how they rank the 25 teams. How can you possibly penalize any of the top four just because they're playing an extra game in which they earn to play and then hold that against them when those behind them did not earn the right to play in that game? Mm, That's a good point. In some case, you can make the argument, although it won't happen, all four should forfeit this weekend. They won't because of money at stake. But how can you possibly penalize any of the four teams if they lose and move somebody above that is not playing a 13th game when the four teams currently ranked in the top four are ahead of five, six, and seven? I don't understand any argument that an Ohio State or Alabama or Tennessee fan can make that you could justify why you belong in because you're trying to penalize someone because they... Advance to a game that you didn't earn. How can any of these four teams not make the playoff? You make an excellent point. I mean,
1: I I I I I don't know. A I don't think there work, is other. I than... mean, if if, if 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 you're if you're gonna look at total body of work throughout the entire season, I you know, if you if USC has two
0: losses and Ohio State only has one loss, one team though. Didn't have to play the extra game, so to some degree, you're telling me the best case scenario for USC is they could, uh, should have lost a tiebreaker to keep them out of the Pac-12 game, and if that happened, then they then they'd be in. Mm. I mean, it's a, it, it, I can't argue with right. It. I can't argue with. In other years, we have had not all the time, but we typically have had matchups between 1, 2, 3, or 4, versus 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, in some combination. There have been years where maybe 6 didn't play or 7 didn't play in a title game. But we've had matchups of teams inside the top 8 that you said, well, hey, if such and such wins, could they leapfrog? But 5, 6, 7, and 8 do not play this weekend. How can you possibly penalize any of the four teams? Because then you'd be saying... You're asking the question. Yeah. So do you think that... They won't be penalized? Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know, but the more I thought about this, what could Boo Corrigan say if any of these teams lose to justify when the fodder would be? But, Boo, last week you just said these teams rank this way. So you're going to tell me that you're penalizing somebody because they played an extra game that the other team didn't earn? to play. It would have been better for all four of these teams to not play this weekend. And then there's why, no data why, point. Why wouldn't you do that if you're TCU or USC? Why wouldn't you just say, "You know what? We're not going to play this weekend." If you're contractually obligated by your league bylaws to play and money could be withheld against you and you and I both know no one's going to forfeit, although I mean I'm just bringing the point by saying it benefits all four to not play. Um, if you're in Ohio State, but Georgia, but Georgia and Michigan, you figure if they lose, they're going
1: to be in anyways. But the the question is, TCU and USC, if they lose, will they be penalized?
0: Right, and I don't know how any uh, fan, look at Ohio State fan will say, you, "Well, you know, TCU, look at this, this, this." And, you know, and, and, and they would have the same number of losses. They're asked to play an extra game that you're not playing. So, so how and can also, you hold it right against now, them?
1: right now they're ranked ahead of you. So yeah. And then if somebody says, well,
0: USC would have two losses, including losing twice to a team that has three losses, they're ranked ahead of you now. What are you penalizing the team because they're playing the extra game? Now, I would argue, if I'm an Alabama or Ohio State fan, that's not my problem. That's the committee and the system's problem. And the committee's asked to judge bodies of work at the end of Saturday's games. And it's up to their opinion To determine who the. I mean, that's how I would argue if I was Alabama and Ohio State. But I don't know how you can hold that argument by saying you want to penalize them because they played a game you didn't qualify for. That's a hard one to swallow. And I went back and I looked, and we really haven't had this scenario because in every year of the playoff, there was a matchup involving the top four teams versus somebody that could make the argument we don't have that this year in five six seven and eight there's no matchup of one two three or four playing anybody in five six seven or eight I I, I I other than the committee saying well yeah we're gonna hold that against them and therefore that loss makes somebody move down okay remember TCU got screwed in 2014 because the big 12 didn't have a conference title game yeah, Now right. they're going to get penalized because they do. Right. Possibly.
1: <laughs> well, let, let me ask you this. If TCU loses and USC loses, do you think Ohio State and Alabama just slide right in?
0: I think one of them is going to end up making the playoff if both of those teams lose. And I'm just making the case. I don't know how the committee then could yeah. tell you that. Okay, I know you're making the case. I'm just asking
1: what you actually think will happen.
0: Yeah, which is why I also think, like I brought, uh, I think, either earlier this week or last week to you, these super conferences of 14 and 16 teams, uh, again, you want to do away with divisions, and you want to have these you know, top two teams. Now, now again, in a 12-team playoff, winning a conference championship does have value. Okay. It's the top six conference champions uh, that get in. But you want rematches? Like, uh, again, if the Big Ten didn't have divisions, Ohio State Michigan will be playing again. Yeah. You yeah. want that? The next week? Mm. I mean, way, real quick, would you move that rivalry? Quick. No. Well,. That's going to be the new model in the Big Ten. If they're the two best teams, they would, they would be playing again.
1: Yeah, you've got to play that rival at
0: the end of the year. Okay, so, so, so I'm just saying, and is it possible that Auburn and Alabama could have a year that they're the two best teams? I, I guess, do you want to do that? Do you want to play those games the next week?
1: I was just looking at the rankings, and uh, Penn State caught my eye. And, you know, they're, they're, they're eight now at 10-2. Has there ever been a more, like, non-gratifying 10-2 and two season in
0: Penn State? Uh, <laughs> no, but it shows you the uh, a c- couple things. One, the value of brands. Their two mm-hmm. losses are to Michigan by uh, 24 and 13 to Ohio State. And uh, outside of that, they have no wins against a team in the top 25. UCF has more wins than Penn State does. Sort um, of an empty 10-win season, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what? Go take a look and you'll see how hard it is to win 10 games because yeah, I know. I know. there is, I believe, uh I think 12 or 13 teams in the country that did it. Not that easy. Like Tennessee, like Tennessee's got the same record as Penn State, but Tennessee, you know,
1: because of where they came from, obviously, but you know, they they've got some huge wins on their schedule.
0: Yeah. The journey so. Uh, matters, so we'll see.
1: Peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show. All right, Mike, Wednesday edition of the Beat of Sports starts next.